Welcome to episode number 130 of the Dust Safety Science Podcast. This is the podcast for building a global community around process safety and industries handling combustible dust. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Cloney. In today's episode, we're talking about the Advanced Safety Engineering Management Program at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. We're doing that with a host of folks, Krista Vessel, Dr. Ivan Papaliti, Jeremy George, and Wyatt Bradbury. We're going to be talking about what this program is, what it looks like, what some of the attendees are taking away from it, and just to give you an idea about this as a, an available option for safety engineering management. So those of you that are longtime listeners of the podcast will know that we had Dr. Ivan Papaliti on way back, and I think Krista was on as well, way back in episode 11 of the podcast, talking about the learning review and this new approach to incident investigation. This fed into the Chemical Safety Board's recent combustible dust hazard learning review and fed into a, a, a number of sort of initiatives around combustible dust. So we covered the learning review probably about 20 episodes ago on the podcast and reviewed the challenges that came out of that and how we're tackling those with dust safety science and our work with the Dust Safety Academy and Dust Safety Professionals platforms moving forward. And it was really a, a really good project by the Chemical Safety Board to evaluate the different perspectives for combustible dust, what the challenges are, what the common perspectives are, and how to tackle that. So that was sort of the background of how I got introduced to Krista and Ivan. We've been in conversation since that time, since working on that project together. And I want to share through this advanced safety engineering management program that they're they're working out with the University of Alabama. So we're going to give some of their background. Um, we're going to talk about what their roles are at UAB. And then we have Jeremy George and Wyatt Bradbury on the interview as well. We're going to give some perspectives from students of the course. So why did they take it? How did they define the material? Type of what's maybe different than traditional safety management courses? Just to give an idea about this program and hopefully pull some interesting insights out of this interview for the audience as well. So I think we do have a lot of faces, a lot of voices on this interview. I think the best way to kind of lay things out is just to get a bit of Krista and Ivan's background, how they got involved with safety. So maybe Krista, we'll start with you. Big broad question, how do you get involved with safety and what sort of brought you to where you're at? Well, good morning, Chris. We're so happy to be on with you again. You know, my journey into the safety world really started in about 2010. I had a former communication degree and uh, Ivan was very heavily involved in the Forest Service and doing accidents. And he also started a master's program with Sidney Decker, who started the new view of, of looking at uh, safety and uh, in Lynn, Sweden. And I followed up with that. I went and studied with Sydney as well and received my master's of science degree from him. And then I started really working on uh, a lot of accidents and incidents for government agencies, uh, looking at some cultural change in organizations and, and such. And my real interest is the language of safety, kind of how language, it's what we use all the time, but there's so many aspects of it that hide from us and can either help us achieve good outcomes or not. So I, I focus on that a lot. And now I'm a professor in the, the program. I teach crisis leadership, and I also uh, work with Ivan on some of his classes. Excellent. I have the same kind of question to you. We heard a bit of it from, from Krista, but how did you get involved with safety and, and maybe tying into what your roles are at UAB today? Well, again, Chris, thanks for having us. It's good to, good to be talking with you again and, uh, and helping you in any way that we can with your program, because I think your program is super valuable. 
I got, I like to say I got into safety the honest way, which means I started as an operator and I saw a lot of things happening around me. And I saw a lot of answers being given for accidents that didn't make a lot of sense. So in 10 years of active duty flying in the Coast Guard, for example, I lost two friends in aviation accidents. Within my first year in the Forest Service, I'd lost three. And by the time I'd been in the Forest Service for 10 years, I lost 27 friends in aviation accidents alone. So I saw a lot of a lot of fatalities, a lot of death, and I saw a lot of accidents. And the accident investigations that I saw did not represent the people who were involved in the accidents well. In fact, it created many of them as second victims and their families as well as second victims. So I had to get into safety, I think, from a very moral basis, just to answer the question of how can we do something differently that respects and honors the lives of these people and, and affords us an opportunity to learn from these events. That's how I got into it. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. And we will just have had, this is episode 130 of the podcast, so a few weeks ago, some interviews with uh, Tammy Spivy and Tanya Ford from the United Support and Memorial for Workplace Fatalities. And in those interviews, they go into a lot of background on families and communities that suffer loss when, a, when you have a workplace fatality and it really ties into this, just like you said, second victims, um, hypothesis, or um, that's the wrong word. It's not hypothesis or theory. The second victims thing that comes out of out of uh, you know fatal accidents and incidents. I don't want to hijack this conversation about um, this program on that, but it is worth mentioning that it's certainly not just an academic exercise. That this is real impact to, to folks, and I would encourage people to check out those interviews to, to see how combustible dust and other process-related incidents impact the families and the communities that are suffering loss. Ivan, you mentioned some of your background. What's your role at the University of Alabama at Birmingham today? So I was recruited uh, to the university as a professor by another one of the professors who's in the program who's, who was a very strong advocate for uh, high reliability organizing. He brought me in and actually gave me the course that Chris is teaching now, the crisis leadership course to begin with. Since then, I've developed additional courses for the university. One in particular is the uh, uh, learning-based response to accidents and incidents, which is uh, now being offered. And it's part of a developing human factors track in the program. So prior to Chris and my arrival in the program, we had the desire to create a human factors track, but we didn't have the courses. Chris also developed a course in language that's gonna be included likely this fall in the curriculum. And the, the end goal of this is to have parallel tracks inside the program that allow us to move into the space of human factors from a very new and, and refreshing perspective. Yeah, I appreciate that. We're going to actually get in. I'm sure some of these courses are the ones that we're going to mention as part of this Advanced Safety Engineering Management Program. Is there is there an abbreviation I can use for that so I don't have to say the entire word every time? USEM maybe? ASEM. ASEM, that's what I meant. So ASEM program. Uh, we do have a, a link to the program in the show notes at dustsafetyscience.com slash 130. And I'm kind of interested in this interview because we have some folks that have taken the program that are on the call as well. So I'll let them introduce yourselves. Uh, first, we have Jeremy George. Jeremy, can you just talk a bit about what your role is in the industry? Sure. So I've been in uh, oil and gas, mainly around process safety management for the majority of my career. Uh, I just have just recently moved over to Cargill where I'm responsible for a lot of the combustible dust programs uh, in North America. So that's uh, my current role. And I guess from that then, why did you consider signing up for this ASEM program at the University of Alabama at Birmingham? 
Yeah, well, I, I largely came to the safety organization from really more the capital project execution side. And uh, one of the things I recognized pretty early on in my career was a lot of the rule-based thinking that we were you know, trying to exert, uh, I'm going to call it authority into the safety space, wasn't as effective as, as it should be. And I was always kind of fascinated by other ways to uh, engineer out hazards, if you will, so that there's uh, less human interaction where where it doesn't need to be present. But then, uh, but then also the the program attracted me too because it addressed a lot of what Ivan just talked about the human factor side. And uh, because like it or not, I mean humans are even designing these processes. So to me, it really kind of married up two key concepts that I thought would uh, help me as I kind of moved along in my career. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And we're going to get into some of your your takeaways from the course as well. Uh, before we do that, we have Wyatt Bradbury as well on the call. Wyatt, maybe what's your, your role in the industry as well? Yeah, so I work for a company called Hitachi Rail, and I serve a number of their larger installation projects on the East Coast and also some of their uh, strategic and governance objectives throughout the Americas, so North and South America's region. I just finished up the program a couple months ago and was fortunate enough to actually be brought on as a professor. So now actually I work with uh, Ivan and Krista. I'm kind of on the other side of the program though. I I get a lot of the first semester students and the two courses that I work with them through are system safety and prevention through design and uh, professional and engineering ethics. So those are kind of the, uh, I, I I get them their first semester and we're really kind of indoctrinating them into some new ways of thinking as well as helping them just reassimilate to maybe a graduate and certainly a higher level uh, of critical thinking. Yeah, and it's interesting to see that you're on on with um, UAB as a, a professor now helping in that role. I guess rewinding back to when you started the course, what, what made you want to get into that advanced safety engineering management program? Yeah, so I had a mentor, uh, a gentleman named Jerry Rivera, I was working in the electrical, commercial electrical construction industry at the time, and he encouraged me to look at the UAB program over other programs that might be available, in large part because of the faculty and just kind of this approach on new views of safety, the focus on systems, uh, the focus on safety management systems, and certainly uh, kind of the prevalence of prevention through design, and that this is a, a degree program that uh, would certainly set me apart from other peers who may have participated in other programs. And I, I'm very thankful that uh, he encouraged me to pursue this because I, I think he was spot on. And we'll definitely get into some of those reasons why throughout the conversation today. Yeah, that makes it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I did pull up your point on different ways to look at safety. Made me remember that I, I didn't have the link for the um, CSB Dust Hazard Learning Review. So those were back in episode 106 and 107 of the podcast. So if you go to Dust Safety Science dot com slash 106 and slash 107 that's the review that we did of the the learning review and there should be links in there as well where you can download that exit i would say and i'm gonna let krista and ivan talk about this a bit as well but i'd say it, it takes some of these concepts that we talked about in this course and applied it in this process for combustible dust safety and and then that learning product that came out of that is that report and it's really highlights the current status of of perceptions for combustible dust, at least from the folks that were able to reply. Um, they had a lot of replies from a lot of different parts of the world, so they have pretty good coverage there. I guess, Chris or Ivan, I'll let either one of you start, whichever you think wants, wants to go ahead first, but the program itself, the ASEM program, 
what does that look like? What are the different elements of it if somebody's interested in looking at it today? Well, I'll go ahead and chime in. Um, the, the program blends traditional methodologies of risk assessment, hazard mitigation, hierarchy of controls. It blends those with a more modern, more up-to-date view of understanding the application of those kinds of processes once we hand it over to the field personnel. So part of, part of the problems with most programs is that they get deeply rooted in the, the elemental framework, the maths of safety, if you will, and they miss the social aspects of safety. And what we've tried to do in this program is, is elevate the conversation, elevate the program to a point where we've moved from a really transactional sort of training thing into a more dialogic sort of understanding place. So a lot of the that Chris and I teach now are deeply rooted in, yeah, there's some writing that you have to do, but then there's this other piece where we actually engage in dialogue as a class so that we can develop a richer understanding. Thus, moving away from that simple transactional, hey, I'm going to tell you what you need to know into more of an area of discovery where the students begin to explore the information, work with each other, discuss with each other, and then evolve their own sense of understanding of the material that we're trying to present. Another thing is that this is a fully online program, which makes it really accessible to people around the world. And we do have students from around the world. Most of the students take about two classes per semester. Some of them slow down and some of them speed up. But it, it can be, you can work a job and still do this master's mm -hmm. program. And this is a master's degree program. So you know, it is academic. We do expect you to come in with some writing skills. Uh, we encourage you to learn how to use the university library and learn how to do uh, citations in APA format. But also, like Ivan said, we have this dialogic piece in our classes, at least, where, for example, in my crisis leadership class right now, half of the classes are written. So they actually have a, a written uh, discussion board submission that they do. Uh, and then they peer review each other also in writing on that. They learn how to, you know, give good, helpful criticism and, and help build each other up as well. And then the other half of my program is all dialogic. So they meet together in small groups on their own, uh, sometimes with the teacher's assistant and they discuss the, the issues, for example, you know, trust, psychological safety and communication or complex systems, innovation, improvisation. They discuss that as a group. And then we come together as a class, as a live class all together. And we then have an even deeper dialogue session about these concepts. And, you know, we have so many people from different industries that everyone has something to share. We can learn from each other and, and their examples are fantastic. Yeah. And I think I, I was going to make a, I was going to make a joke, but it's probably ill time now, but that you're, you're exploring the social impact of, of safety by actually being social. <laughs> who would who would have thought of that? seems like a good, uh, a good, good right step in the right direction. That's a really nice summary. We may use that. Thanks. <laughs> um, I want to touch on a couple of pieces. So you, you mentioned it is a master's degree. It is it does have pre prerequisites in terms of you know levels of understanding you might need of certain topics. That is fully online. And then you did mention that you do have folks that are 
taking it well, working a full-time job. I didn't know if, if Wyatt and Jeremy, um, when you took the course, were you working full-time? And if maybe you want to chime in on, on what that looked like for you? And maybe we'll start with Jeremy if he's... Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, working full-time, uh, traveling, uh, all the things that kind of come along with the, with a, a job that's uh, a little bit more regional or global in perspective. And so all that, and then also raising a family as well. So I did find the, uh, I fi- found the program to be pretty flexible and was able to meet for me to work at a pace that was appropriate and still absorb the content and learn. And so I, I thought it was the online learning aspect was a big part of the draw for me to, to come to the program. And anything to add to that, Wyatt? I don't know if you were working while you went to the, took the program or even had any other things going on that, that were going on at the same time? Yeah, I think it's important to note this is a professional degree program. That's one of the ways to think about it. And so this is a, a program. And when you talk about specifically um, having some sort of background of knowledge, I think some of that just comes from your experience and work uh, throughout industry. Um, and so I, and I think a lot of what we do throughout the program is in some ways try to blend what we're faced with as professionals on a daily basis and and certainly have a space to discuss that, to explore that. Um, certainly a lot of the writings or projects certainly uh, a center around the, the issues that we have or the opportunities that we have or are a way to try to synthesize what we're facing in our organizations, the opportunities that exist as we try to create uh, stronger cultures, stronger organizations, safer organizations with what we're learning in the programs. We take uh, maybe an engineering perspective or a new view perspective. And so I think this is definitely something that you need to be almost working at the same time that you're going through the program because you're you're going to be basing a lot of your understanding. Again, you're, you're always work from uh, what you know. And then as you learn, you then build to what you ultimately need to know and you don't start out knowing. And so I think having that experience and being able to work at the same time is critical. Yeah. And I mean, that's another value addition for folks that are coming into the program to be exposed to other industries, to be exposed to those viewpoints and you know what all those what all those people bring in from their different perspectives. I know we can if you're working in add to manufacturing or if you're working in certain industries, you may really get narrowly focused wood processing or, or whatever it is, and and not start to translate the lessons learned and applied in other industries. And heaven forbid we take something from outside of combustible dust handling industry and try to apply it. But that is a, a really fast way and a really good way to to find safety solutions that are working, at least in my opinion. For what that's worth and, and i do a self-acknowledge in my opinion is not really worth that much so <laughs> we'll leave it at that krista you mentioned that the course was typically recommended kind of as two classes per semester how uh how long would the course take at that rate is it like a two-year kind of course or, or program or what's that look like really it's it's going to be six semesters if you look at it the way it's structured right now if you did two classes each semester And the final semester and a half has to do with the capstone project, which Ivan is in charge of. Yeah, so rather than doing a a traditional dissertation at the end or thesis at the end of their their program, students are required to do a capstone project. And what we try and do pragmatically is create the capstone project that's going to be usable by the students in their professions. So as both Jeremy and Wyatt mentioned, most of the students are professionals and they're they're engaged in some corporate function. We want their capstone projects to be relevant to what they're doing. And we also want them to be passionate about the topic. 
So as Chris mentioned, I'm in charge of the capstone preparations. We do a semester of preparation and then we do a semester of actually writing the capstone project. And these projects are student oriented, student driven. And then I simply coach uh, both content and final project uh, presentation. So I think that that covers it, right? Yes, and one other thing to mention is that we do have summer semesters. So there are actually three semesters per year. So you could potentially complete the program in two full years if you were able to apply yourself. That makes sense. And we covered a couple of the the courses that are available in the program. So I've written here crisis leadership, potentially some courses around language, learning-based response to accidents and incidents. I thought I had a couple others, but I can't find them in the list. So maybe I'll get get uh, one of you two to fill me in. What other types of courses are there? Just so folks have an idea what you know what goes involved, what's involved with these courses. Well, why don't we turn to Wyatt for that one? I think Wyatt would be a great person to answer that question. Yeah. So uh, certainly, the current start to the program is uh, a system safety and prevention through design course um, that really looks at uh, Z10 uses a Z10 model or a system safety model to start opening students to really new ways of thinking. Um, new approaches to safety that move really beyond compliance and to show how system safety is something that is not a bunch of standalone programs and silos, but really integrated systems that work together to form the complex organizations that we're in. Um, A lot of times that'll be paired with a course in professional ethics. From there, students can start to go towards uh, courses in risk management. Uh, Certainly there's courses in failure modes and effects analysis and some different decision-making courses. Um, And then students eventually begin to work towards um, the courses that Ivan and Krista uh, have been teaching. Uh, One of the other really interesting courses in this program is kind of a biomechanics program uh, course. So you'll, uh, don't worry, I know it's, it's an engineering program and it seems like it's going to be really scary hard math and uh, really certainly it's your kinematics. So it's your Newtonian physics Um, but really looking at accident causation from the technical standpoint. Uh, And that's taught by the program leader, uh, Dr. Donald Burke, um, who has a a really big background in auto accident investigations and kind of the mechanics that support that. And so certainly uh, students are getting uh, further and further into the program. They start looking at new perspectives, um, bringing in uh, new elements of ways to approach dealing with the situations that we have every day. And that course, certainly kind of the culmination is to evaluate a workplace accident from kind of a physics standpoint. Is that something, and asking the question, is that reasonable? And also along the way, kind of challenging what we know about some of our different regulations that might exist. Uh, Jeremy, what courses am I forgetting? I'm sure there's some other things that you might be able to fill in. No, I was going to, I was just going to say from an engineering perspective, uh, there's even some things around electrical safety, which can be kind of a, uh, a dark cloud in some people's knowledge framework that, that are covered. Um, there's also, I, I think, some real value in the mixture of the engineering and I'm going to call it more the human performance side. And those semesters seem to line up pretty well to kind of give you both perspectives as you kind of work through the program, which I always uh, appreciated quite a bit. And then uh, he mentioned really around engineering risk and and really the management of risk and some of the more uh, nuanced approaches that, that that come along with that, that uh, you can apply at the corporate level as you're working through programs. Yeah, I like that. And I, I want to expand on the very starting point. I think we'll get Wyatt to do it because he mentioned this this course, the system safety, and and that I missed the second half of was prevention of incidents or, or something similar to that. Prevention through design. That's what, prevention through design. Maybe because I can kind of see how the, the program's 
laced together. I could see how the elements fit in. I think that that systems safety thinking probably permeates as the 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 starting thing that you know is why all these things are linked together in the first place. So if we get sort of a good baseline of what is well, maybe what is non-systems thinking? So, and I don't know if we can control that. Call that the traditional safety approach or model. <laughs> um, and then, what if you just give us some definition or just guidance around system safety? How that's different, and then that might you know elucidate how some of these elements are all tied together. Yeah, certainly. I think one of the things that I really try to work with uh, with the students throughout this class is that. Safety is more than just your safety manual, your safety program. It's more than just meeting compliance. And it's certainly more than just the rules and regulations that you might have on your shelf. Um, and I think that's, I know when I came into the program, that was where I was at. I was all about the rules. I thought, you know, hey, safety's black and white. Why can't people just wear their stuff? Why is this so complicated? And I think we kind of are, are starting to open their eyes to the fact that, hey, there's, there's reasons why even someone who wants to follow the rules might not be able to. And, and we, we kind of start to open folks' eyes to this, this concept of the fact that there are limitations on maybe what we might be trying to depend on. Uh, certainly in this uh, kind of these opening classes, we're really looking at, uh, as I shared earlier, how is it that our, our program really needs to be built out into a system so that it permeates into the organization? And how do we build it into the fundamental framework as what we do as a business? Um, certainly, how are we making it so that our, our, our programs, we might say like a near-miss program or uh, maybe a management of change program is not just something that we, we pull off the shelf when it's, we think we need to, to utilize that element, but how is it that we can integrate that into what we do every single day and then feed that in to make the organization stronger? Um, and it certainly kind of gives the folks really, we're just, I almost feel like we're just opening the eyes in this uh, first, in this, this first course so that as they start to progress through and get other bits of knowledge, other tools to put in their tool belt, and then ultimately getting to Ivan and Krista towards the end of the program, they're able to understand the limitations of what they might know. And, and certainly in my case, hold near and dear and be able to, uh, and be receptive to kind of the knowledge and the learning that and the growth certainly that they're going to be going through is they're starting to look at their own capstones and look for the their their gaps within their own organization and how they might be able to really strengthen the systems within their own companies. And one of the beauties of of this first class is that we do have a lot of peer to peer learning. And I I think the beauty of it is that it's not necessarily sage on the stage instructor led. We're certainly uh, I almost feel like we're we're acting as, as instructors in this first course as more of a guide, almost setting some loose boundaries, but then letting the students work with one another to develop and grow um, as they're on their discussion boards and as they're uh, submitting their papers and, and really almost trying to challenge the fundamental thinking and getting them to understand that, hey, systems are more than just technical, they're socio, um, certainly in complex organizations, they're socio-technical. And what does that even mean? That's a great kind of way to lay it out in terms of the need of understanding. Um, and the reason I, I kind of think I'm thinking about is if you don't do this, this, you know, groundwork to establish that there is a system and that includes the people, <laughs> seems obvious when you say it, but um, there's lots of companies out there where I'm sure the system doesn't really include the people, or at least the analysis of the system doesn't. 
it's it's really like a first step. It's a precursor to be able to evaluate and go into being a learning organization and going through that process of constant change, process adaptation and evaluation evolution to, to improve your safety programs. I think you kind of need to get over that hurdle first, which makes sense as a, a sort of starting point for the course. Jeremy, I'd like, so you, you mentioned that you did the, you did the course, you did it while you were working. You also did it while you were, um, you know, parenting as well. Can you talk about how the program went and what you thought maybe some of the, the mo- more valuable, well, I'm sure there's lots of valuable parts of what some of the most valuable parts were from, from taking the, the course. Yeah. So the, the course, uh, why it's now teaching, I thought was a great introduction and really, I believe it started to kind of challenge my linear way of thinking, I guess, more of a technical way of thinking and just to be a little bit more of a holistic professional, if you will. But there were a couple of, a couple other key moments I would kind of point to in the, in the program. One was uh, we had to do a, a project around really making decisions, risk-based decisions and, and how to basically do a capital outlay for a, a project. And, and my particular project was a process safety related one. And, you know, it was an existing process system that had an unacceptable risk level and really working up a decision uh, basis for how we were going to mitigate that, uh, I think to me was really important from a business perspective, because I, I can tell you since that course, I've been able to communicate at a little better level with even executive management about what we might capitalize to fix a safety hazard, if you will, uh, and, and what's really not value added. And then also how we can really manage a lot of risk in the de- design phase of a project versus waiting for it to be commissioned and then trying to do a retrofit exercise. And so to me, that's been very helpful just from a business acumen perspective. But then I, I think the other moment that I kind of point to was really when I enrolled in Ivan's courses uh, towards the end of my uh, tenure there at the university. And it was, um, you know, I, I think what he did for me was he challenged a lot of my uh, assumptions and just let me think through some of the more difficult aspects of, of what was going on in my company at the time. I think a lot of times what I would do is almost get tunnel vision where I was thinking about that immediate problem in front of me. And, and Ivan's uh, capstone courses uh, and really working through my final project and paper capstone project really made me take a step back and think about all the different aspects that I needed to address to really move the organization I was in forward. And to me, that that challenge and really just really putting it on us to do our own research, to really collaborate with other members of our class and to read some things that frankly I hadn't read before uh, really opened my eyes. And I, I think just walking out of the program made me a, a lot more, um, I'm going to call it just a higher higher order thinker about my day-to-day job, if that makes sense. Yeah, it sure does. And, and thank you for sharing, because I think it's helpful for someone that's in a you know, in, in a company right now with a, you know, with a leading safety role to establish that there are some advantages of coming out with new concepts, coming out with new ways of thinking about this. Wyatt, I, I feel like you may have to be biased in your response on what are the valuable parts of the program because you're now a professor there. But if we can put on sort of our, um, you know, before you, you started the course hat, um, what were some of the things that you took out? You mentioned a couple other on the mind shift things, but was there anything else that you took out of out of the course that was sort of a big aha or takeaway or something that's helped you progress further? Yeah, I think there's a, there was a couple. So certainly 
when I took the systems safety and prevention through design class, like I said, I had come from a very safety one, a very black and white uh, mindset. And I actually had Ron Gant as a TA um, when I was going through the program and he was really challenging a lot of that thinking. And so that was a, an invaluable course for me to really kind of understand what is a safety system. And it, it's completely reshaped. That was, that's kind of a, one of those pivot points you find in your career. So that was a huge one for me. Um, I certainly think going through uh, with Ivan, um, believe it or not, we, we were going through this uh, crisis leadership class and it was this time last year that we were going through that course together. And so we're all of a sudden we have the, probably one of the greatest case studies ever to start building from that. Um, and so that was fantastic to have some real life um, and real time practice with this idea of crisis leadership. And certainly then going through the capstone process with Ivan, I focused on decision-making and some of the limitations of that and why we need to really be moving towards sense-making in organizations as opposed to just analytical decision-making. Uh, and that's something that I keep falling back on and I think helps me give the leadership, the executive leadership, my project leadership, some different perspectives to how they can certainly approach not only a crisis, but just the everyday work that's taking place. Um, so those are certainly some of the big pivot points for me throughout the course. Yeah, thank you for that. And I think these are really valuable insights because I'm picturing someone listening to this on their way to work or on at the gym or going for a run or or wherever you listen to the podcast at. And whether or not you are a safety manager or even an executive of a company, owner of a company, a consultant, a, a regulator, a equipment provider, having these insights into different ways to think about safety are, are really key elements to move us all forward as a, as a community and make things safer inside industry handling combustible dust and, and outside. Sort of moving towards closing out the interview, because they're always insightful, um, I want to get Krista and Ivan's um, opinions on what challenges they see in educating on safety and, and improving safety as an, an industry. And maybe Krista, we'll start with you. What, yeah, what challenges do you see in, in safety education and then improving safety in industry overall that you think we can address moving forward? Well, I think that, first of all, a lot of safety programs are the same. And they teach you that you can manage risk. And they teach a lot of old school techniques, some of them 100 years old, that have really been updated over the last several decades. And so this course helps bring in some of that new knowledge and those new questions. And that's something we really try to do. We try to encourage the students to ask powerful questions because that's when you step into the place that you don't know and you can actually learn something. And so we get them more comfortable with asking each other questions, asking us questions, and actually saying that they don't know. And then they seem to move forward and really appreciate that perspective. Yeah, I really like that. Anything to add, Ivan? Yeah, it's really important to move into that space where if you're in a position of knowing, you're not in a position of learning. So part of the strength of our program is that it's influenced by modern safety research, but it also it also encourages the passions of the students and marries those passions with the passions of the instructors. So it, it moves from that transaction, well, this is the only way to do it, this is my way, and if you don't like it, there's the highway, to let's kind of discover together what your way is. And let me give you what we have in terms of our learnings and our exposures and our experiences and that of your fellow classmates to kind of move you through this journey of safety rather than having a 
a set end point. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like most courses, the, uh, the questions are in the front of the book, the answers are in the back, but don't look there because looking there is cheating. Well, we're not all about that. We're all about a more collaborative, dialogic environment where students can learn from each other. And as Wyatt said, we act as coaches as much as anything else in the program. Yeah, I like that. And and I think the best place to close off is, is there anything um, from Wyatt or Jeremy? And maybe we'll, we'll let, uh, I can't remember who talked last, but we'll let Jeremy go first. Anything else to add to close out the video? Yeah, Chris, I think one thing to think about, especially related to combustible dust, is, you know, it's a, it's a complex subject. And uh, there, there really is this kind of need, just from my perspective, for some higher order thinking about how to, to best approach that particular subject area in our industry. And I would just encourage people that are, you know, thinking that there's probably more to that issue uh, of combustible dust safety to really look into the program, maybe as a, as a way of engaging their mind and maybe coming out on the, on the graduation end of that as a, as a person better prepared to, to help their organization get through some of those challenges. And, you know, you, you had a combustible dust safety conference just a few days ago and, a lot of those complex issues are going to require what I would call just, you know, a, a different level of thinking to really navigate that and to make sense of what's going on. And so I would just encourage people to reach out to the faculty if they are interested in the program. And and uh, it, it's been one of the more rewarding experiences that I've had as a professional. So I just uh, I thought I'd throw that in there. Yeah, certainly. And I guess we're, we're going to wrap up with uh, Wyatt then. Anything else you want to add? Yeah, I think the beauty of kind of the UAB community, the ASIM community, um, is the fact that you're building relationships with folks with diverse backgrounds. I mean, certainly Jeremy and I have, have very, very diverse backgrounds and we started in the program together, yet there's a lot that we can learn from one another. And certainly there's a lot that we can take away from the knowledge of one another and, and then reapply and synthesize with what we already know, what we're faced with in our organizations. and kind of I think a closing comment is that learning is really a journey and I think the beauty of this program is that it's going to help you learn how to think critically help you maybe find some different areas uh, certainly of passion but also um, of maybe some different approaches you can take that you might be able to then apply to then help you along in your journey uh, certainly it's not a destination where you're trying to go through and put uh, ticks next to courses uh, simply to just get a degree. Um, I think it's it's going to be, a, you're going to join a community and certainly be able to learn and, and really find a love and a passion for learning as you're going through the program. Excellent. Well, I can't think of a better place to to end off on this interview and covering this topic. Um, I appreciate you all volunteering your time to come on the, the podcast interview and talk through this topic with the audience. Um, it's not that easy to, to organize five people to to talk all at once. So I appreciate the effort you made. I appreciate you being involved. I do want to say thank you. And I look forward to the chance to get to talk to to each of you again moving forward. So with that, I think we'll close out. And um, yeah, we'll, I'm sure we'll be talking to each of you pretty soon. So you've been listening to myself, Dr. Chris Cloney. And we've been talking through the Advanced Safety Engineering Management Program at the University of Alabama at Birmingham with a, a number of guests in this podcast episode. So we had Krista Vessel, Dr. Ivan Papaliti, Jeremy George, and Wyatt Bradbury. Krista and Ivan were originally um, involved in, in teaching this course, um, and Jeremy and Wyatt were originally involved 
in um, taking the program uh, and going through that process and why it's now also involved as a professor at UAB as well. We talked through their background. I'm not going to rehash that other than to say Chris and I have a long extensive career in safety and also innovative new ways to to teach and, and learn about safety. Jeremy was uh, you know, working as a process safety lead, North America process safety lead for uh, for a large company and, and Wyatt has a background also in, in safety as well. And they sort of shared all their experiences coming into this course, what they learned, how they changed their mindset. We talked through the course you know, program. It's a, a master's degree program, um, fully online, generally taking about two classes a semester and it takes about six semesters to get through the material. We talked to a lot of different courses, starting with the, the safety systems course and sort of providing that as a, a systems thinking background to understanding safety and how that may change your view of it. We talked about engineering ethics, risk management, electrical safety, human performance, language, crisis leadership, human factors, failure effects, an analysis course, and I'm sure I'm missing a couple others on my sheet here. Just give you an idea of the, the broad base of, of what's covered in, in a program like this. And we sort of closed out by talking about some of the challenges with safety education and, and how they apply in an industrial setting as well. You know, traditional models of safety not being updated over time, not including new, I'll say, social and cognitive and behavioral approaches, and that really being a challenge. And then also challenging the mindsets. And you heard this with Jeremy and Wyatt when they mentioned how they came into the course with certain preconceptions and, and maybe fixed mindsets, maybe fixed is too harsh of a word, but certainly different mindsets and how the course kind of changed their, their thought process and how they went through that. Um, so it was really interesting for me to learn about this program. Uh, I've been talking with uh, Ivan and Krista for a while about it and wanted to get it on the podcast to share it to the larger community for two reasons. One, to, to let you know it's there. And if you're interested in the course, I mean, go to dustsafetyscience.com slash 130. And we'll have a link to the uh, the ASEM course there from the, the University of Alabama at Birmingham, but also to just introduce the audience with some of these concepts of thinking differently about safety. And I'm already got my wheels spinning on how we might be applying this to combustible dust handling industries in the future as well. So as always, I want to say thank you for listening to the Dust Safety Science Podcast. I appreciate everything you're doing out there in the world, making industries safer that are handling combustible dust every day. And um, I appreciate you tuning in and we'll tune in again next week talking with another expert or giving another interview or going through another topic related to safety and combustible dust. 